This ain't jump. This ain't slam. The name of this record is Bounce. What's up, everybody? Jack Maloney here with Friendly Bounce, Hardwood Proxies, and Basketball Network. We're here to do our season preview podcast. I got Matt Cianfrone and Zach Oliver, my guys, with me tonight. We're about to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. So last year, obviously, I mean, tremendous surprise. They went 41-41, and 41, um, finished 6th in the East, and gave, gave the Bulls a run for their money in the first round. Um, they lost a lot of veteran leadership with Jared Dudley, Zaza, Ersan Ilyasova uh, moving along. But their big signing, Greg Monroe, they brought in. Uh, they also picked up Grievous Vasquez in a trade with the Raptors and signed Chris Copeland, um, you know, kind of replacing the veterans a little bit there. Uh, in the draft, they got Rashad Vaughn, um, really young kid out of UNLV uh, who didn't really play for UNLV too much because he got injured, um, but he's supposed to be a great shooter, had a decent time out in, out in Las Vegas. So yeah, we're about to jump into this about the Bucks. A lot of, a lot to talk to, a lot to talk about with uh, this team. Um, so I guess we'll just start with Greg Monroe. That's the, the big news for Milwaukee. It's Like they said, it's a new day in Bucks basketball. That's what the uh, the owners were saying the other day at media, media day, and that's I mean, Greg Monroe's not a superstar, but compared to people who want to play in Milwaukee before, like, I mean, they used to be great if they could sign, like, an over-the-hill Richard Jefferson, or, like, they brought in, like, a 33-year-old Corey Maggette, and now you got Greg Monroe about to enter his prime. Like, this, I mean, this is a whole new operation here. Yeah, I mean, who would have ever thought Milwaukee would be grabbing a player that the Knicks actually actually wanted. That was the most amazing part of it. The Knicks wanted Greg Monroe and he decided to go play for Milwaukee. Yeah. And obviously there are other factors there, but that's a big deal. And now it's just trying to figure out how it fits. Theoretically it should. I mean the Bucks have the defensive potential to cover his mistakes. But we'll kind of see as the season goes along. I, we were talking before this it, I expect to see John Henson closing out plenty of games just because of his defensive versatility and his impact over Monroe. But if everything goes right, you assume at the end of the year Monroe was in that game for the Bucks with uh, with some big late baskets out of the post. Yeah, you know the thing that worries me about the Bucks, I think that they've got the potential to be, you know, maybe as high as like a five seed in the East. I mean, that would be probably top in this year, mm-hmm. but they could also end up finishing, you know, eleventh or twelfth. Because I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough consistently. You know, sure they added Monroe, who's going to who's going to help. Chris Middleton's shooting will will be big, but you look at Carter Williams; he's not a great sh- scorer. Period. Henson's kind of a a flatliner there. You know, you don't know where you can get from Jabari Parker. It's going to take another step forward, but how much will he improve as a scorer? Right. I think that's 
those are a couple of the storylines to kind of look at with this Bucks team. You know, look, they'll, they'll be great defensively again, even with Moreau, because they've got really good defenders on the wings. Carter Williams, Carter Williams can use his length against anybody. Giannis is longer than the state of Wisconsin, I think. <laughs> um, Middleton's a good defender on the wing. Miles Plumley is still there. I think yes. he's, <laughs> he's a he's a decent defender off the bench. You know, Matt mentioned uh, Henson, and so they they've got some pieces. It's just can they score enough points? That's what I'm not sure about with that. Yeah, and they they definitely. St- I mean, they struggled at times in the beginning of the season, but once they made that trade for for Carter Williams, losing Brandon Knight, and I mean, I I understand why they did it. They weren't gonna give big money to Brandon Knight and you have Carter Williams under control for a few years and so like, I understand why they did that but they were not great after that trade um, like 30 of their wins came before the all-star break and so I, I mean I don't know exactly what the record was but they were a much better team definitely offensively with Brandon Knight running the show and so that it's it's another one of those things like you look at this team and see so much optimism and like being from Milwaukee like I want to see that too but I definitely can see how you look at this this team and see obvious holes that I don't think they're going to make another huge jump like they did last year right and I think the move you know maybe he wasn't great for them last year but the skill set that he brought to the table was important I think not having Ursan Ilyasova around is going to be a big blow because his floor spacing is really valuable yeah. for those guys. Because look, Carter Williams isn't a good shooter. Giannis, is, Giannis has a potential to be a good shooter, but he's too inconsistent. Jabari's not a great shooter. You know, right. you've got Monroe down in the post, and then you've got Middleton as your only shooter. You know, the floor is going to be so compact. Yeah. You know, how can Carter Williams, how can Giannis, how can Jabari get to the paint? Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be the problem that I think, you know, holding on to Iliad Sova would have helped some. But also, if they hadn't traded Brandon Knight, then I don't think the issue would have been as big either because Knight was a really good three-point shooter. And as you were saying, Jack, he really helped that offense last year. So I, I think they're still trying to learn a little bit from that and not having his offense in the lineup as well. Yeah, I think you touched on the big thing. It's it's the skill set because they went from when they were at their best, when they were winning a bunch of games, they had Nutty and Ilyasova. Like they always had three shooters on the floor. And or when Dudley they were at their too. best, you know, closing games and stuff, they had three shooters. They had Knight, they had Ilyasova, they had Middleton. And you got away with that you know you can score enough points to make the the Henson Middleton uh, Giannis you know length combinations of death work um, and now you don't have that now you have the length you have you could throw out lineups with Carter Williams and Middleton and Giannis and Henson but you don't have any shooting you know you went from three shooters to that you can rely on to, to knock down threes to one and teams are obviously going to know Middleton is the one guy they have to worry about not leaving. So where does that extra spacing and shooting come from? 
Yeah, it's... You know, they talked about... Jason Kidd um, and Hammond both talked about on Media Day, like, that it's still going to be a learning process that, you know, you won 41 games last year, but, like, they kind of overachieved. Like, I don't think... I don't think anyone, even like inside the organization, thought they were going to be that successful last year. Like this is still a team that's like two, at least two years away from being any sort of real threat. And that's offensively where you find the points in scoring is definitely one one part of that. I mean, OJ off the bench can provide some spacing. I don't know if you if you go to Grievous late in games um, for his you know just veteran poise and ability to shoot a little bit um, but yeah it's it's really going to be a work in progress the first few months really with bringing Jabari back we don't know how well if he's going to just be able to play right away um, and that the, that first few months offensively it's going to be really interesting to watch I I mean I like this team I, they're going to be so much fun but um, yeah it's I wouldn't be uh, like expecting a, another jump to like the fifty win mark. I I think that's out of out of reach for them. Yeah, I know that over unders were uh, posted yesterday. I know Matt Moore had that for CBS. Do either one of you guys know what that over under was for Buck uh, Buckwing? I want to say it was forty three point five. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one, like, completely stay away. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah I'd run far away from that. Like you said, too, you know, they were, they got, they overachieved a lot, and they also got so lucky last year, and I wonder how much, if Chris Middleton shot against the Suns or the Heat doesn't go down, and the Bucks finished last year under 500 instead of 500, like, I wonder how much different the, um, the, like, outlook on this team would be. You know, yeah. would people still think 50 wins is realistic, or would they go, well, they were under 500, maybe 45, you know, 42, 45 is, yeah. is more realistic. And and it's it's so interesting to think about that, because like you, I think, I think honestly expecting anything over 45 would be a massive surprise to me. Oh yeah. Because you're gonna have you're gonna have so many adjustments to make, just incorporating Monroe into things and Grievous into things. Like, these guys who are brand new and are going to be expected to play important roles, you have to figure out how to play with them. You have to figure out how to best use them in the offense and the defense. That's going to take some time, and I think they get off to a rough start because then even Jabari, who barely played last year, has to be put back into things. So I kind of expect them to get off to a bad start and then turn it on at the end of the the year and they also the other thing that's tough for them is out of all the eastern conference divisions they probably play like cleveland's obviously the best team in the east chicago five team in the east indiana and detroit are going to compete for that or potentially could compete for that eight seed like the central's actually kind of tough yeah i think I think that the Southeast is probably the better division in the in the East, and it, I think it's close because obviously you probably have the best team in the East in Cleveland, and then you probably have you know 
a team in like that three to four range in Chicago. But then you look at the, the Southeast, you have the Hawks who won the most games in the conference last year. You have Washington who's going to continue to get better. You have Miami who's getting Chris Bosh back and probably has the best depth that has, they have the best depth that they've had in God knows how long. Um, Charlotte, I'm a lot higher on Charlotte, I think, than a lot of people are. I think they have a potential to be fighting for that 80 seed. And then the Magic have a lot of young talent. And yeah. I don't think the Magic are going to be in the playoff line. I think they, they finish in, like, the low 30s win-wise. But they're going to be a tough team to play. Yeah. You know, the, the Bucks division isn't a slouch by, by no means. But I think that you could make a case for the Southeast, Southeast as well. But... I'm, I'm looking at their schedule right now. You know, they get the Knicks twice in the first week. Then they get Washington. Nets twice. Washington, Toronto, they get the Nets twice. Philadelphia, you know, they have some winnable games early in the year. If they can get some of those wins, I think that that's going to be a key to kind of springboard them because once you hit, you know, November 14th, you have a stretch of, Home against Cleveland, at Washington, at Cleveland, at Indiana, versus Detroit. I mean, that that right there is probably the toughest stretch that they face in the first month. And that could really define how their, their first half of their season is going to go, I think. Yeah, they, they last year were... Um, they were only nine and twenty-seven against teams five hundred and better. Like they just beat up on really bad teams. Like they won thirty-two games against below five hundred teams. Um, yeah, and I was making this point before we started recording. I think that as a whole, the Eastern Conference got better. Yeah, way better. Like the Knicks were a, the Knicks were a joke last year, and they're probably going to win at least thirty games. Like the I don't. Knicks could- the Knicks could be the eight seed this year. Like I don't see anyone really in the East. Like I feel like everyone in the East got better except for teams that were already ahead of the Bucks. Like besides maybe the Nets. Like I mean the Nets and maybe the Pacers got worse. Yeah, I mean, but you like lose David West, you lose him. Like you know, Paul, Paul George helps, but at the same time, you're yeah. losing two pretty important players there. But yeah. You know, you look at the Eastern Conference, every, I mean, Philadelphia got better. Yeah. Knicks got better. Toronto, I like, I want to think Toronto got better. I don't know how much of an impact Amari Carroll's going to have there. I think he was in a perfect situation in Atlanta. I think that really helped yeah. him. Like, they're certainly not worse. Like, right. Yeah, the Bucks. I mean, I, I don't think the Bucks missed the playoffs, but... I think any expecting anything better than you know like they were six last year. I think I really don't see any way they jump any of the top the five teams ahead of them. You know, may, maybe they can get into fifth if everything goes right. But I honestly think like another season like they had last year, where you're around five hundred and you make it really tough for somebody in the first round, is another good season. Like I don't. Know, Matt was saying before, like, and we talked about it with the Pelicans, it's, this team isn't going to win a championship this year or next year or probably in two years. 
but it's just about the process of of getting better and I I think the team certainly understands that I I don't know if fans are necessarily thinking in that way and you know that everyone wants to win a championship every year but it does seem like the organization is aware of their place um, and aware of the the team that they have and that this is so young like it's going to be a a building process even you know no matter how much you got better like you're still you're still growing and learning every day like it's it's a great place to be in but i i can't see them being much better than last year and another storyline you know something to kind of watch how does jason kidd improve his coach because he's going into his third full year i mean that that's probably a pretty key year especially with a young team like the bucks you know you need to see him continue to improve as a coach too and you know that's what I think is going to help them take that next step because coaching's I'd argue that coaching's 60, 65% of the game because if you don't have a coach who's going to put you in positions to be successful then you know unless you have a guy like LeBron James or Kevin Durant you're not going to have one guy that you can just say alright make us successful so if kid can can continue to improve then the Bucks, you know they'll probably hang around that 500 mark again maybe they'll win 42 43 games but I think that they could easily improve you know some from last season yeah yeah I mean as a Bucks fan I said like I'm perfectly okay. They only win, you know, 38, 40 games this year. But we see some type of actual growth. Like, the, the mm-hmm. offense climbs up to an offense that's, like, towards the middle of the pack, you know, that top 15 area of offensive efficiency. And we see an actual plan and way Michael Carter-Williams fits in. <laughs> and Giannis starts making threes again. I'll be happy even if we lose more games than we did last year because you have to see it. You don't become a title team without being at least close to a top 10 offense and top yeah. 10 defense. And we need to see the Bucks start moving in that direction for me to be really happy. And the other thing I, I hope to see is the Bucks play the Pelicans close again because we had this offseason and it kind of got lost in a lot of things. You know, Anthony Davis came out and said that when they were playing, Giannis was talking trash to him. <laughs> and it feels like all those like those player rivalries we've had are starting to not go away, but it's older guys that are starting to get old. So, like, having Anthony Davis and Giannis and the, the young Bucks and the young Pelicans become that kind of cross-division or <laughs> cross-conference rivalry could be a lot of fun for a lot of years. So I hope they yeah. play two more. They played two really competitive games last year. Anthony Davis and Giannis were both great in at least one of them. So I, I wouldn't mind to see that again to kind of get this little rivalry going. Yeah, that that would be awesome. I mean, those those two dudes are like the longest players in like NBA history. Uh, um, you guys have any final thoughts as we wrap things up on the Bucks? Yeah, I uh, I'm interested to see what 
kind of improvements they make. You know, the offense is is the big key, as Matt was mentioning, as I mentioned earlier, because you know we know that they have the pieces to be good defensively. They showed it last year. Can they take that step forward offensively? And you know, I think they're a playoff team. I have them as one of my six or seven locks in the Eastern Conference. But you know, if, if things start to pile up and something, you know, they could be an injury away from being outside of the playoff. Line. So it's going to be a really interesting year for the Bucks, and I'm I'm excited to watch some Bucks basketball. And and most importantly, we get Gus Johnson calling games. Yeah, that's right. We didn't even talk about that. So that that yeah. peg up on the uh, on the lead pass alert. So that'll be fun. Also, I just want to say congrats to our uh, good friend Eric Benning on uh, his spot with the the Bucks as yeah. a social media guy. Uh, well deserved. Eric's a great guy. So. Really happy and excited for him. Yeah, Eric's an awesome. Echo that. Eric's an awesome dude, and uh, he should do a great job there. Like you said, Gus with Giannis, you know, streaking down the court and throwing down a dunk is going to be going to be great. So as long as Michael Carter Williams, I'd be nice. It'd be nice if he could magically learn to shoot. He's going to make playing with the Bucks in 2K way easier. Um, But outside of that, I'm just I'm excited for the you know this season. There's a lot of things to be excited about, but after following this team through, you know, I mean, I've, I've been a Bucks fan since that all-one playoff series against the, the Sixers when Ray Allen kind of made me fall in love with the NBA, but uh, that meant coming through some terrible years and, <laughs> and things like rooting for John Salmons in the playoffs, so having a young, exciting team is, is a lot of fun, so I'm ready to get this season started. Yeah, for sure. Shout out, Eric. Shout out to Bucks for... For hiring him, we got an we got an alum in the league now. Friendly bounces has got a player drafted, free agent or free agent signing, I guess. Um, but yeah, this I mean this team's gonna be so much fun to watch with Giannis and Jabari and company. I we kind of covered everything, but I'm super excited for this Bucks team. I'm gonna be great to see what they look like with Monroe and and Gus Johnson, of course. I can't wait till he drops a knuck if you buck. Gus, if you're listening, you better be dropping one of those this year. He's, he's probably not listening, but you never know. Um, I think that's a wrap on the Bucks. I'm Jack. That's my guys, Matt and Zach. Here's our guy, DJ Los Latino, playing us out. Catch you guys later. Peace. This ain't jump. This ain't slam. The name of this record is Bounce.